0: Only God could author a fantastic plan so complicated that it would blow your mind that God could become like his creation but yet such a simple story that a handful of elementary and preschool age children could explain it to you. It's amazing. I think they've done a good job just in a little over five minutes, telling you the synopsis of of everything that God did to fulfill his promise to mankind. With the help of Brother Luke this morning, let me build for a few minutes on the foundation the children have laid. Brother Luke is the one who records the very first Christmas service, uh, obviously reenacted right here before you a moment ago. And when Luke records the first service, he is very careful to go slow and remind us of who the first Christmas congregation was. It's very important. Let me read for you Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, A shepherd is not something you encounter in America. We live in a different world. But if you travel to Asia or Europe even today, especially in the poorer countries of Eastern Europe, there are shepherds out in the field watching their flocks by night, still today. Those of you who have traveled to Romania or other parts of the world, you've seen the shepherds living out there. You can't imagine, because of your Western mind, The level of boredom, Uh, night and day, sitting out in a field watching sheep uh, munch on the grass, it's a very not exciting, uh, low-key lifestyle. There's a lot of solitude involved. There's a lot of sameness. One of the wonderful things about being an American is, you know, you eat, you know, chorizo and eggs for breakfast, Uh, Chinese food for lunch. A lasagna for dinner. Your your whole world is filled with variety, and you're one of the few countries that enjoy this. Most countries eat sameness uh, three times a day or two times a day. Uh, We don't like the same schedules. We like things to vary greatly. This was not true of shepherding life. Sameness was their life. The same thing that's going to happen tomorrow, the same thing that happened today, that's all. And they weren't uh, expectant of heavenly hosts and angelic choirs. They were certainly not expecting to be the first Christmas congregation. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, the Bible says. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were filled with great fear. Now, I don't know if you've ever camped out. But if you've ever camped out with a group of boys or girls... When you were young, one of the absolute things you do when you camp out with a group of friends, besides making s'mores, is you tell ghost stories around the campfire. In the woods, where it's creepy, and there are sounds at night that you're not familiar with. Now I want you to imagine being a shepherd and being out in the field and you experience the same thing every night, and you know what the sounds of the night sound like, But to have angel army breaking through in the middle of your night was not the norm for these shepherds. And the Bible is very careful to tell you they were filled with great fear. There are bears in the Middle East. There are lions in the Middle East. They were not fearful for bears and lions. They were fearful because something supernatural broke forth in the middle of their ordinary night, something they had never experienced before in their life. And one of the big questions you ask yourself when you read the Christmas story is why did God involve these poor shepherds as the key worshipers in the very first Christmas experience worship service? Why shepherds? Maybe I could ask you even a better question. Why did God exclude all the religious people? It's the first Christmas worship service. Why did God exclude everybody who was a famous prophet, Everyone who's a famous position holder in the religious system. No Pharisees, no scribes, no VIPs. Just a group of shepherds. Shepherds in Israel is the most lowly, ordinary job in the Jewish social order. I don't know if they have the dirtiest jobs of Israel, but this would be it. This would be the miserable job that no one wanted because you're outdoors all the time. It's blazing hot in the summer. It's cold, snows all the way down to Jerusalem uh, on occasion in the winter. It gets cold at night. And uh, uh, who wants this job? Uh, But God wanted to make sure that from the very beginning, from the very first time this story was ever told, God wanted to make absolutely clear that everyone would understand that the message of Christmas was not for the high muckety mucks. It was not for the VIP. Now, it could be, but God wanted to make very clear that the message of Christmas would absolutely include everyone. The shepherds stayed in the fields for months at a time. Let me fill in the blanks. With no bath. With no outside social interaction. Now, I don't know if you've ever encountered people living on the streets or people protesting living outdoors for months in tents or something, they stink. I don't know if you've ever gone without a bath for a few days. You stink. It's normal. And these shepherds, if you were downwind from them, you knew there were shepherds in the area. Your nose would alert you. This is who they are. The shepherds were not well-groomed, they were not popular, they were not educated, they didn't allow them to interact with society. For example, they didn't testify in court, they didn't serve on jury duty, they didn't go engage everybody in the business of society like other people did, and yet God made them the key players in the first worship service. You have to ask yourself, why? What in the world is God thinking? What is God doing? And I can't explain it all to you, but I can explain some things I've learned about God. God often operates in a manner which is counterintuitive to our society. Sometimes the obvious thing you would do is not the obvious thing God would do. Sometimes you think, well, God will surely do this. And He will not do that. He does something else instead. God often operates in a counterintuitive manner. Paul learned this lesson very well. And the Corinthians uh, were confused, the European Christians, the early European Christians. A- and Paul was trying to, to inform them. And Paul tried to tell the European Christians about this very thing. Let me read Paul's words. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you are wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you are powerful. Not, not many of you are of noble birth. It's a very polite way of addressing your congregation and saying you're a bunch of nobodies. That's what he's saying to them. You're no big deal, according to this world. But hear him out. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God often works in a counterintuitive way. And when God decided he was going to have a Christmas service, he said the first service is going to include some of the most unlikely characters in all of society because I want to send the message from the very beginning that the Christmas story is for everyone Christmas is for everyone the child the promised king born in the manger is for everyone sometimes when we're doing mission work overseas people will mock us and or they'll come out in anger with us and and they'll 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 clash with us then they'll say you need to leave this village you shouldn't be here trying to get us to receive your American God And if they'll hear me, then I try to get their attention and say, we're not here to get you to receive an American God. We're here to get you to receive an Asian God. Jesus isn't from America. Jesus is born in the Middle East. He's a Jew. He's Semitic. He's a son of David, a son of Abraham. We're trying to get you to receive your own king. He's a king for everyone. In fact... I'm telling the Westerners on this side of the world, your Messiah is not from the West. Your Messiah is from the East. And and, and I'm glad you've received him. I hope you have. Uh, There's a message here for us. Maybe you feel sometimes like you're on the margins of society. I'm I'm not, not trying to psychoanalyze you, but I don't know what's going through your head at times, but maybe at times you feel like The world just turns and no one really knows I'm here. The world's just happening and things are happening and, you know, I'm just going to Kroger and buying groceries and going to work and going to Target and doing my thing. And and the world turns and I'm totally insignificant. No one knows if I'm here. I'm not a part of what's happening. I'm just on the margins of culture and society. Here's, Here's what I want to stress to you. God chose the shepherds. God chose those on the margins of society. God said to the shepherds, no one cares that you're out in the fields watching the sheep. They've totally ignored you. But I'm coming to you with a message because I see you. I want you to hear that and I want you to personalize that this morning. You may feel like, I don't know what my life really contributes to planet Earth and and, and what my role is here and, and what the big picture is for me. I want you to hear God saying to you, I see you. I've chosen you. You're important to me. Your life has purpose because the promised king came to this earth. I care about you. I have a mission for your life. And my coming to earth gives normal people, common people like you and I, a humongous purpose for living because we're on the mission of Jesus Christ. We're connected to something that is very, very big. That's the congregation, the shepherds. Let's talk about the worship team for just a minute. We put up a worship team every week and and they work hard to lead you in worship and that is their mission as they stand before you to help you engage in worship. And on this night, there was... A worship team. Let me read. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. An angel, let's start there. An angel, one, appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them in the dark pitch black of night. Now again, you have to go back in your mind pre-street lights. If I use the word light pollution, do you all know what I'm talking about? Just the way the light goes into our atmosphere. And if you live here in Fort Worth, it never really gets dark. You understand what I'm saying? Never I mean, the sun goes down, and it gets darker, but it never really gets dark. If you were raised in the country, you'll understand the difference. It gets really dark, uh, and the stars pop really bright when there is no light pollution going up into the atmosphere where you're at. These people lived in so far back in history, 2,000 years or more now. There was no light pollution in Bethlehem. Trust me. (laughs) If there was candles burning somewhere, that's it. And it's black of night. And when the Bible says the angels appeared and the countryside lit up like the glory of God pouring forth. Like the brightest spotlights you could ever imagine shining down. A shining glory. And the angel said to them, fear not. Now... As you study angels, and we certainly are in the new year, you're going to notice these are some of the first words that angels say every time they appear. Can anybody figure out why? The opening words of an angel would be, don't freak out. You know, it's going to be okay. Uh, Don't do yourself no harm. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news. Praise God for that. I just feel so beaten down sometimes by bad news. Uh, I don't know if it's because that's part of what I do vocationally is let people have a venue to unload their bad news, you know. But sometimes maybe you feel the same way. You just feel so beaten down by bad news and you hear the word news. News now in our culture only has a negative connotation. There is never any good news. (laughs) News is always negative. It's always bad. When the angel of the Lord appears, he says, don't freak out. This is going to be different. I have news. No doubt you and I would have said, oh, I can't take any more bad news. They said, no, we have good news. The word gospel in the New Testament, whenever you hear this word, it actually means good news, a message of good news. You're saved by the gospel. The 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 message that Christ came to this earth, born in a manger, a real man, lived a perfect life, laid down his life on the cross to pay for our sins, was buried and rose again to be our Savior. And by putting your faith in him, you can have forgiveness and a restored relationship with God. There's the good news right there. The angel said, we have good news for you. Let us deliver it to you. Good news of great joy that will be for all people. Now listen, we're not Jews living 2,000 years ago. We're Westerners on the other side of the world in a very modern and technological age. We're as far removed societally, culturally from these people as any two cultures could be. But hear the words of the angel, I have good news which will be for all people. Jesus is not a savior for white people. He's not a savior for Americans. He's a savior for all people. Every color, every shape of eye, every cultural background, the message applies to all. And here's what the angel said. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And you're going to need some evidence, I know, but let me give it to you. This will be a sign for you. Just so you're sure you're not dreaming. You're going to run down to Bethlehem and this will be the sign To confirm this, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And you might ask yourself, as even the story was unfolding here, and the angels were going whoosh and whoosh and whoosh. There's a lot of angels in this story. The angel Gabriel appears to Mary. The angel appears to Joseph in a dream. An angel appears to Joseph in a dream. And angels are communicating messages, and angels are leading worship services, and angels are talking to shepherds, and at some point you have to ask yourself, do you actually believe this story about angels, or is this just legend? Or is this just mythology? So I'm here to tell you this morning, I can't speak for every Christian everywhere, But I can speak for the group of Christians that worship here in this place. This story is factually true. Maybe as clear as I can be. The people of Cornerstone actually believe in the existence of angels. We still believe that. You say, Pastor, you've got an iPhone and a computer. And I still believe in angels. These angels were created with an independent existence, as we're about to discover. The angels are present at the birth of Christ, and that makes perfect sense. Because as you study your Bible from cover to cover, what you'll notice is when God is doing something great, when He's doing momentous things, the spirit world is connected to the physical world, and sometimes God will pull back the veil between the two and let you see across worlds. But whenever God is doing something big, the biblical record shows us that the angels are present and they have some involvement in what's going on. Job chapter 38 tells us that when God stepped out onto nothing and began to create the world, in the early days the angels sang for joy at what they were witnessing. But on this Christmas night, the angels are singing as the infinite Son of God is being swaddled as a human baby boy in a manger the angels saying as the omnipresent god is everywhere as that everywhere god is confined in locality to the body of a baby boy the omnipresent becomes a localized in that moment god is lying in a manger in the form of Jesus Christ. This is why the prophets said he's got a lot of names. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the prophets said one of his names is Emmanuel, meaning God has come to live with mankind. The Gospel writers were recording the words that said, call his name Jesus, Why? for he shall save his people from their sins. C.S. Lewis, the great Christian author, said this, once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than the whole world. C.S. Lewis really twists my mind up a lot. Once in our world, a manger had something in it that was bigger than our whole world. When the baby was laid in the manger, he's older than his mother (laughs) and the same age as his real father. Listen, the Christmas story is complex, but it can be told very simply if you have faith. Well, the angel sang because the Son of God was born as a man. The Word became flesh. Emmanuel, God is with us. Now, they burst forth into singing. And if you want to know why they burst forth into singing, again, let me step out of Western culture for a moment. I think we're too stodgy. I just, the more I study, the more I worship, the more I read, the more I experience other cultures, we are too uptight. We have got to get in touch with our emotions. Here is my baggage. I grew up in a puritanical, orthodox, Baptist church. And we didn't move our bodies. We didn't clap our hands. Mom, were we allowed to smile? (laughs) No, we weren't. We weren't allowed to. We just folded our hands and stood very still. And, and, and it was. It, and listen, we, we got that from previous generations. We got it from previous generations. And maybe some of it came over from Europe. I'm not sure. But I'm, the, the older I get, the more convinced I am that we are way too uptight. And we need to relax. Hear carefully what I'm going to say. And get in touch with our emotions. Emotions were created by God for you to experience. For you to express. Emotions are things you feel, and God wants you to feel deeply, and God wants you to feel more deeply about worship than anything else in your life. God, if you ever were to feel something, surely it's at a moment where you're singing about your Savior, you're singing about your redemption, your forgiveness, your salvation, You're being born again. You're being adopted into the family of God. You're lifting up the name of your Creator. Surely if there's ever a time to feel anything, that is the moment to feel something. And I just want to challenge you. Here's a New Year's resolution for all of us. Uh, Pastor Jeremy, never ever in the New Year let us sing without emotion attached to it. I grew up with people who were afraid of being too emotional. Well, that ain't going to happen. I've been around you guys a long time. Let's dismiss that fear. And let's worry about we're not going to be emotional enough, okay, for a while. Let's get in touch with how it feels to pour out our praise and to pour out our worship to our Savior. We sing because we're the reason He came. We're the reason. There is a Christmas. (coughs) Yes, God did it, but we're the reason He did it. Why did Christ come? Because of us. Someone loves you that much, but it'll cause you to feel something. Listen, when we clap in a worship service, we're not clapping for our worship leaders. Such a misunderstanding. Listen, when you've just sung a song about a great Savior who did everything to redeem you, Clapping is an appropriate response. Maybe a little shouting. Maybe a little body language. Maybe a little emotion pouring forth. We sing because Jesus came to bring us forgiveness and reconcile us back to God. And that song is uniquely ours. No other created being. By the way, you're not the only created beings in the universe as you're about to discover. There are billions of them. But you're the only created being in the universe that can uniquely sing a song of redemption. You're the only ones who've been redeemed. Not the angels, not the seraphim, not the cherubim, not the heavenly council, none of them. Only human beings like you. And if we don't sing the redemption song, who can sing it? Because it only applies to us. Now on the first Christmas celebration, the angels sang... Not because the Savior was going to redeem them. They understood that's not for them. That was for us. But the angels sang because only they could appreciate in ways we cannot yet the existence of the incarnation. David used this word last week and then apologized. Let me, don't apologize. Incarnation means God becoming man. The angels could appreciate the incarnation in a way you cannot. Because you've never seen God sitting on his throne. You've never seen the ruler of the universe. You've never with your eyes seen. You've never with your physical presence stood in the throne room of almighty God, the creator of everything. You've never been there to experience that. But the angels have... And can you imagine going from the palace of the universe where God is lifted up and exalted, protected, praised, worshipped, and the next scene you're in dirty little Bethlehem singing about that same God who now has become like his creation. They could appreciate the magnitude of what God had done to go from there to there. In a way that you and I can appreciate it because this is all we know. We've never seen with our eyes of the other side. They've seen the other side. And what they understood is what God was doing was mind-blowing. That the creator of the universe was about to be born into a poor family, in a poor place, with no reputation on the backside of nowhere and there's no room for his birth to be born in a stable and laid in a feeding trough for cattle and sheep. That was blowing the angels' minds that God would do that. Do you remember what the scripture says? The angels have given themselves to protect and Jesus, even if he dashed his, stubbed his toe, they're there and they're just blown away now. Blown away that the Son of God now is lying in a manger as a little human baby. And so, an angel, no name is given. Perhaps Gabriel, we don't know for sure. And I only bring Gabriel up because he's already appeared in this Christmas story by name. uh, With some other important messages to be delivered. And an angel burst forth from the spiritual world into the physical world of the shepherds. The angel's appearance was intimidating. Let's use that word. Fearful, scary. Uh, You're in the dark of night. Suddenly it's shining bright. Here is this huge figure standing before you. He is not of this earth. He is powerful. He is brilliant. He is strong. And they cower with fear, and the angel speaks. You know what's cool, too? Uh, I travel around the world a lot and can't communicate with a lot of people because of this language barrier that exists. But whenever God speaks through his messengers, they always communicate in the language you understand. Isn't that wild? God knows exactly where to find you when he sends someone to deliver a message. He knows exactly how to deliver it in a way you'll understand it. Knows what your response is going to be to the message. And knows how to communicate it to you in a language you can understand. It's very cool. God's just really got it together. That's all I can say. The spirit world's fascinating. And the angel begins to speak, fear not, do not be afraid. Now I don't know how you came into the worship service this morning and with what baggage from the week you brought in today. But but if nothing else hear this message because many of you are going through a real trial right now. And even we who believe in God at times when we are suffering sit down and say God, where are you now? I'm hurting. And God, where are you now? That I need a job. And God, where are you now when I'm dealing with this drama in my family? And God, where are you right now when I desperately need to hear from you? Well, God's brought you here this morning, if nothing else, than to hear this little moment in the message, hear the voice of God speaking to your heart. God is saying to you, fear not. Do not be afraid. I see you. I hear you. I hear your prayers. I've got you. I know exactly what's going on on this earth. And you're thinking I'm one of eight and a half billion. God says, no, no, no. I know your name. I know where you live. I know how to speak to you. I know what you're dealing with if I had to, I could send Gabriel to your door, and he could walk right into your home and put his arms around you and say, do not be afraid, God has you. Now, when the supernatural world breaks into the physical world, if it happened right now, I'd hide behind the manger here, because it's not the normal for us, and when the... uh, abnormal when the supernatural breaks forth into the natural world and freak us all out because it's not something we deal with every day but for those of you who are going through a trial and you're hearing the voice of God this morning say hey, don't be afraid I've got you let, let me just say to you could it be that the very thing that's causing fear in your life is actually God trying to break into your life could it be that actually the thing that brings fear to rise up in your emotions is simply some incident that God has designed because he wants to be closer to you and he's going to break into your life and it's not a thing to be feared. Whatever you're going through is not a thing to be feared. It's just a thing to give to God and find God's presence in it because he is here, he is very near to you. An angel is speaking to the shepherds now. And now the choir shows up, Luke 2.13. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. We go from one communicating a message. You say, why didn't they all show up at once? Well, if one terrified the shepherds, a million of angels bursting forth into the night of Bethlehem might have given them a heart attack. I don't know. But one was talking... And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. Now I'm going to ask you a question. Did they just show up or were they there all the time? I want you to just think about it. The one angel revealed himself and was having a conversation, but it appears that there are millions of them. They were there, but the shepherd's eyes were not open to the fact they were there. Listen, I don't want to give away my next five weeks, but ladies and gentlemen, you're surrounded right now. And just as surely as the angels spoke to the shepherds, this morning you are surrounded by a heavenly host. And praise God that we are. And now there was with the multitude a heavenly host praising God and saying, well, they're praising, praising God now. And they're articulating a message. They're singing because earth's joys and earth's sorrows are particularly felt in heaven. What we're dealing with, heaven feels that. What you're dealing with here is connected to what's happening on the other side in the unseen world. Never forget that and you'll never doubt if God feels what you feel and hears your prayers what they're feeling here now, they're feeling on the other side. And what they're feeling on the other side, they're communicating now to the shepherds. They're exchanging feelings about the event that's happening. Emotions are rising and the angels begin to burst forth and sing. Now, I know the worlds are connected because, well, Ezekiel texted me a little bit ago. said, we just led 12 to Christ uh, in our worship service in in, in a village in India just now. The Bible says when that happens, the Bible says when that happens, the angels in heaven rejoice over sinners repenting. Now, I can tell you right now, because we're just one worship service of millions that are happening around the world, heaven is having a party today because people are being saved in different time zones and around different countries all throughout this period right now, there is rejoicing in heaven because we're rejoicing, we're getting saved, rejo- we're, our worlds are connected. Let's deal with the Christmas song very quickly, my time's out. What song did they sing? Glory to God in the highest. We give glory to God. God deserves for us to sing about his glory and his righteousness because he made a Christmas promise and he delivered on the promise that he made and I want you to know he always delivers on the promises that he's made and if you can find a promise in the New Testament you better bet God's going to deliver on that promise in your life because he always delivers on what he promises he said God will become flesh and dwell among us well that's the song they're singing. Glory to God in the highest because the Savior has come. They're singing for God's glory because Christmas reveals the genius of God. You couldn't be saved any other way. For as by one man's sins, we all become sinners. Adam, you with me? Wherefore, as by one man's righteousness, all are going to be made righteous. Well, somebody had to be righteous. And here was the problem that Paul chronicled, there is none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So God did in his genius what only God could do. He turned himself into a human and lived a righteous life and laid down his life to be the sacrifice for the sins of all mankind. It's a plan so audacious that only God could have done it. And Christmas reveals the genius Of God. They're singing about God's wisdom. They're singing about the kindness and love of God. The Christmas story, like no other story, represents the mercy of God. God extending himself to sinners like we are, transforming our lives to be like he is. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. This is the song they're singing. Glory to God and on earth peace. The old King James words it this way, peace on earth. Now you and I struggle because we have 24 hour news cycle. And what you and I know is there is no peace on earth. And so we really struggle with a statement like this when an angel starts singing a song, glory to God in the highest now and and peace on earth and we're sitting down here on earth saying, yeah, not so much. Not so much peace on earth. Matter of fact, this is one of the classic Christmas struggles right here, this thought. So classic that Longfellow inspired the words what became one of the most popular Christmas songs. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then rang the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. When you look at the world and you say, Pastor, where is there peace on earth? I'm glad you asked because I really want to tell you all of the modern language Bibles have translated thusly. Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. If you want to know where peace on earth is, let me tell you where peace on earth is. It is with those with whom God is pleased. You see, it's not a blanket statement. There's peace in the Middle East. That's not what it meant. What it meant is there is peace in the lives of the people with whom God is pleased. And although Jesus came to be the Savior of everyone, not everyone has been transformed by Christmas. Jesus came to be the Savior for every people. All over the world of every generation. But the Christmas story has not been received by all of them. Not everyone who knows the Christmas story. Not everyone who could tell you the Christmas story. Has actually made the promised king their personal king. And even this morning you might be wondering. How do I know if God is pleased with me? Well the Bible is very clear. God is pleased with all of those who receive the gift. Of eternal life through Jesus Christ. God is pleased with those who receive. Exactly the reason of Christmas. Those who receive what he did. And why he did it. And receive that promised king. As their own king. God says now go and live in peace. Now. You and I live in turmoil. So I mean there's turmoil around us. And peace is not the absence of problems. It's just Peace in the midst of problems. The New Testament writers describe it as a peace that passes all understanding. It's, it's like, yeah, not everything's great, but I'm calm. I'm at peace because I know that I am connected to God and it's going to be okay. God has me. I do not need to fear. Well, it just leads me to a closing thought. So what next? So the shepherds come. They come to worship. Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill to men. They're about to run down to Bethlehem now and see. Let me read it for you. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, we don't know how many there are, just plural, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem, let's go check it out, this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Here's what I want you to imagine. The spiritual world just burst into the physical world. And you saw something that you've never seen in all of your life and very few people will ever, ever experience. And at the end of that praise and worship service, the wormhole closed. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the window closed into the other side. And the shepherds are not staring at a multitude of heavenly hosts and bright lights. The sky goes dark, and the stars twinkle, and it's just quiet. It goes back to normal. Now, normal is where you and I live. Yeah, we'd all like to experience some supernatural thing like this. It'd be pretty cool to have been one of the shepherds and to have witnessed that event. But that's not where most of us live. And it's not where the shepherds would live the rest of their lives either, Now it's back to normal. You say, where did the supernatural world go? It didn't go away. It just closed to your eyes. Please hear what I'm saying. It didn't go away. The spiritual world is still right here with us. It's just in a dimension that your physical eyes cannot see. Your eyes were only designed to see the material world in this life. There is a whole nother world. Gosh, I don't know what it is around your house, but in a few days, I know at ours, the decorations are going to come down. And we're going to put it all away. And the lights will be unplugged and packed back into boxes. And when it all comes down and we go back to normal days and uneventful nights, now what? What? Now what? Is that it? We just lock Christmas away and we go back to our old lifestyle? Until another year rolls around? Not for the shepherds. The shepherds said, we're not going to go back and do what we normally did. Let us go see the thing that we've been told has happened. Listen, and God's saying maybe something similar to you this morning. I'm sending my son into this world. And you're asking God, where are you? Do you really love me? God said, I want to prove to you that I love you. I'm sending my son into this world, and I'm 100% certain you're going to kill him. I'm sending my son to you, and I'm absolutely positive you're going to kill him. But I'm sending him nonetheless because it's the only way for you to be saved. I'm going to give you my son. I'm sure you're going to kill him. But I love you so much. And if I would freely give you my son, the book of Romans says, would I not withhold anything from you? John wrote this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. This is the message of Christmas. If you ever say... I don't know if God loves me. It's Christmas. This is God's message to you that he loves you. I love you so much. I know you're going to kill my son, but I'm going to send him anyway. Because it's the only way for you to be reconciled to me. If that doesn't communicate love and if that's not something worth singing about, there is nothing worth singing about. That is the story of Christmas. Now listen, we're going to put it all away in a few days. My big question is to you, what next? The shepherds went down and they experienced Bethlehem. They saw baby Jesus. And the Bible tells us then they went everywhere telling the things that they had experienced. We're going to ask you to make disciples in the new year. We're going to ask you to get on the mission of Jesus Christ and make disciples. And that may feel intimidating right now when we're talking about it as a concept, but don't let it intimidate you because you're thinking, what am I going to say? What do you think the shepherd said? They're not educated. They're not theologically trained. The only thing the shepherd said is, we were on the hill. The angel They just repeated the story that they had been told. The angel said that which is born is the son of God we're going to check it out this is the promised king and it was there your baby was wrapped in a manger just like the angels told us it all checked out and we both come to bear witness and tell listen you know what making disciples is it's just doing for someone else what someone did for you you just repeat the story you just repeat the process don't make it complicated so as you face the new year and you're thinking okay in a few days it all comes down now what now we go a different way We let this so affect us that it drives us to the mission of Christ in the following days as it did for the shepherds. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Let me just challenge you this morning. Many of you are about to travel. You're about to be with family. Maybe you're going to meet with some friends you haven't seen in a while. Let me challenge you to be light. Let me challenge you to be a voice. You don't have to plan it. You don't have to scheme it or script it. Just let God use you. Just say, God, I'm here. If you need me, call on me. I'll engage. Let me speak especially to those who are struggling this morning. Maybe some fear has burst forth into your life and some circumstance that you can't control. I want you to know that God sees you. God knows you. God's got you. Nothing is surprising God. He knows all about what you're experiencing and he's got it under control. This morning, all you have to do is just cast your burden on him and say, God, thank you because you do know what I'm dealing with and I know you're here and I know you've got me and I know you've got me surrounded and I know I'm going to be okay. Just talk it out with God for a moment. And lastly, if you don't know Christ as your Savior this morning, this is what Christmas is all about. Maybe you know the story, but a lot of people know the story who don't really know Jesus. Now that you know the story, why don't you say to Christ, the promised King, I want you to be my King. I want to put my trust and my faith in you completely. And if you've never done it, a simple prayer of faith connects the material world to the supernatural world. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never done it, pray like this. Dear God, this morning I'm calling upon you I know the story of how Christ came into the world and I know why you came. You came to die and rise again and be my Savior. And this morning, although I've known the story before, I've never known you personally in a relationship. So this morning I'm going to make my confession, which is not easy for me. And I want to confess to you, God, I am a sinner. I'm one of those reasons... You sent Christ to this world. And God, having made my confession as a sinner, I want to now ask you to come into my heart and be my Savior. I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins this morning. Wash me and cleanse me and put me in that relationship with you as my Savior. All of my hope and all of my trust I place in you and in you alone this morning. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for designing all of this. All of this plan. So that I could know you as my Savior. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. We're going to sing a closing song this morning. If you need prayer... I'll be here. Some workers will be in the back. If you need someone just to put an arm around you and pray with you, there are people here who can help you. If you receive Christ as your Savior today or in any of the other services during December, I wish you'd just come and find one of us and say, hey, I've received Christ and I just haven't really told anybody. We'd love to put an arm around you and pray with you and know that truth about you. If you're traveling, be safe. We'll see you next Sunday okay. if you're not traveling 5 o'clock Christmas Eve, candlelight service lots of singing we will going to read the Christmas story together we've got some special gifts for the kids uh, who are coming that night activity books that go with the book we gave away lots of fun that night, come and be a part of that let's close in a song at the end of this song, you'll be dismissed